turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. It's another beautiful day here in paradise. Kathy, good to see you as well. Oh, my gosh. It's a spectacular day. Mm -hmm, Fabulous. Oh, my gosh. I love living here right now, John. Yep, me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So, um... You know, during the uh, the lockdown, I, I know that, you know, everybody was stuck inside and you're looking at your house and you're thinking, you know, it'd be nice to put a, a new shower in there. I've been thinking yeah. about that for mm-hmm. a while or, you know, so the, the only thing that I could really muster w- was painting. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy did. to you know have done that. And, mm-hmm. and it's still more uh, painting is in progress. But boy, wouldn't it be nice to have those big home improvements underway? Because a lot of people well, apparently yeah. held back and now they're now things are running full steam ahead. Well, yeah, I would, I would love to do that, except as you know, and I bet you're about to talk about, when you call somebody to do some work right now, they're way backed up. Yeah, they sure are. Okay, so uh, from March, April, and May, they're, you know, most, you know, they were non-essential, deemed non-essential contractors. And so contractors associations have reported that work was down uh, 80% from last year. And of course, that was, you know, you look at the, the suppliers, plumbing supplies, you know, building supplies, they, they all show that in their bottom line. But now that things are, you know, lifting again, now that we're in green, things are off the roof. Mm-hmm. Contractors are booked easily into next year because the demand is there. So, okay, uh, a downturn, but now the upturn. And maybe this is something, you know, they're having to do with the stock market and the economy, just as the president has said, you know, maybe we're going to go back and do another upswing here, right. despite how things bad have, how bad things have been lately. I think it's a super good sign for all of us Yeah, I do too. that it's rebounded this quickly. I mean, I don't think anybody would have expected that. Here's the weird thing, though. Um, I'm driving this morning, uh, eight, like 8.30. I did go to the dentist. There was absolutely no rush hour. I mean, mm, there was no rush hour. So people are still, whether it's a change in people working at home permanently or people have yet to come back in you know, the office buildings and whatnot, Right. nobody's out there yet. Okay. What about your dentist appointment? How was that? Did you have all sorts of like weird COVID like new rules? Okay, so I had a dentist appointment is scheduled months ago for May. I do this every six, you know, every six months we do a, a cleaning. So in May, my appointment came and went. They called and they said essentially, yeah, we're, we're not in the office, John. So then last week they called and said, hey, you want to schedule? And I was like, great. They go, okay, September 29th, we'll see you. I was like, oh, September. Anyway, yesterday I got a phone call. Someone canceled. So uh, they read me protocol. And here's what I had to do. I drove to my dentist office. I waited in my car till the prescribed time. They called me and essentially said, coast is clear. Come on in. I went into the office with a mask on. Someone met met me at the door with one of those forehead, you know, thermometers, Mm -hmm. took my temperature. 
um, I signed a piece of paper, which I believe was a waiver, you know, because yesterday they said, have you had a temperature? Have you had any, you know, coughing? They asked me like these basic questions, which all businesses are now required to ask. I said negative to all those questions. Then when I got there today, I think I signed off on the form that said I had answered negative to all those questions, went in into the dentist chair as always. And there was my hygienist. And the only difference in my hygienist was that she was wearing a plexiglass face mask. Okay. And that was it. All right. So for people who are afraid to go back to the dentist or putting it off for some reason, you're saying no big deal. No big deal. I said to her, I said, my hygienist, hygienist name, her name is Linda. I said, how long have you been back? A week or so? She said, oh, no. Yesterday was the first oh, day Oh, wow. Okay. So, so it's still pretty early. They're basically practicing on you. <laughs> It was think, a cleaning. I think that's what that comes down to, John. I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't you like a cleaning? I mean, everybody. Of course. Don't you, know, you like a cleaning? Yeah, oh, I do man. like a cleaning. Hey, listen to this. Hmm. Uh, you had your, your teeth cleaned today. Yeah. And tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. Thursday? I get my hair cut. Hey, all right. Fabulous. Listen, I have not had my hair cut since February. Mm. And it w- what's happening, if you're watching on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, yeah. you can see that progressively the hair is just becoming unwieldy. There's just nothing to be done with it. I think I've also in my head a copped a bad attitude and just stopped trying because it's just too frustrating, John. Listen, I mean, from a guy's perspective. And it's very unhealthy. It's bad. I'm thinking when I go on Thursday, I might just have her cut it all off. Mm, Just just come back with short hair. Like Sinead O'Connor. from. Well, no, not that short. I don't think I want to be that short, but I I might just be done with it, John. You are not. I know. I might. There's no way. There is no no way. Yeah, I might. I might end up with short hair. I'd be shocked if that would happen. Really? See, that makes me want to do it even more. <laughs> uh, she, I think you're. I think she may counsel against that. Don't do anything rash the first cut. Mm-hmm. Maybe the second cut after you look at it, then you go, "Oh, I've got the old me back." Don't do anything right? rash. The no, old don't me. Don't do anything rash. I don't know if the old me's coming back, John. No, wait a second. Is this because imagine that your husband has probably been saying he's had to like nod his head for months in sympathy with you. Yes. Right? Because he always says, he says, hon, your hair looks nice. And I say, oh, does not. That's horrible. (laughs) See, most men, he he would kind of go. He basically stopped saying anything nice. Every time he tried to, I was arguing with him and telling him he was wrong. You fall into a pit trying to be a good guy. And then all of a sudden, why he has such a hard time here in the household. Right. Yeah. Me and the the two women. Right. As he said more than one time with me and our two daughters, he's drowning in the deep end of the estrogen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Coming up on today's show uh, in our five o'clock hour, we'll talk about the Supreme Court ruled yesterday, six, four in a Civil Rights Act case that affects a lot of people um, of LGBTQ orientation also will probably affect a lot of people and hiring practices in religious organizations. So we'll talk about that in the five o'clock hour. In mm-hmm. the four o'clock hour, we'll talk about AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, they're expecting a surge of people once quarantine formally ends. So we'll be talking to Sarah Pulliam Bailey from the Washington Post about that. And coming up next, John, Jenny Reeves Manley started her career as a chief of staff in the U.S. Senate. Now she lives in the Middle East with her husband and five kids. Yeah, we're going to go to the Middle East in just a few minutes, so stick around for that conversation. It is the 4 o'clock hour of the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy. We'll be back in just a few minutes, so stay with us.
101.5 WORD. Is it all right for a Christian to dance? How about drink? What about going to the movies? How about using foul language? Well, that's what we'll learn this week on Through the Bible as our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, takes us to 1 John chapter 2, where we'll discover the answers to these questions and so many more. So if you want to know how to live the Christian life and how to please God, then join us. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care, No doubt, this is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly healthcare costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. Moms sure do wear a lot of hats. And these days, she's wearing a few she hadn't expected, like homeschool teacher, mask maker, hand-washing enforcer, social distance shopper, toilet paper finder, parent checker inner, screen time negotiator, personal space administrator, and make sure everyone's happier, safer-er, and healthier-er. And to help you appreciate her, Trinity Jewelers is now open. Like hats, the best gifts are unexpected. At trinityjewelers.com. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Jenny Reeves is with us. She is the author of a brand new book called The Good Portion, The Doctrine of Christ for Every Woman. She's got an amazing story. Uh, Early on, uh, Jenny was the former chief of staff in the United States Senate. She now lives in the United Arab Emirates with her husband, Josh, and their five kids, they're a church planner, pastor of an evangelical church, and Jenny teaches Bible study there. But Jenny, welcome to the show. I, in all the years we've done this show, I don't think we've ever spoken live with anybody from the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> I'm glad to be the first. Thank you, John. Mm. It's good to be with you. Yeah, Thank terrific. You. Nice to be talking to you, Jenny. So at this Thanks, point Jenny. in your life, Jenny, did you expect to be living in the Middle East raising five kids? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I think for most of my life, I thought at this point I would 
would probably be in, uh, if not serving in an elected capacity, certainly trying to be. I wanted to be a governor or a senator or a congress, congresswoman. I uh, never expected to be a pastor's wife and certainly never expected to be doing that in the Middle East. <laughs> the yeah, Lord yeah. has different plans for us and sometimes wow. we have for ourselves. So, Jenny, uh, what's the career path like to go from college and then find yourself as chief of staff for a United States senator? I mean, you don't, you, you don't mm-hmm. sort of follow something that's traditional, do you? Right. Well, uh, you know, it was in God's, God's grace that I had, had moved to D.C. right after college, and I, I got a job in the Senate for a senator from my state and uh, worked my way up through his office and honestly was given my dream job at the young age of uh, 30 and uh, honestly couldn't have imagined the job as being his chief of staff that I could have ever loved more. Um, but most people use that position to then to launch into other things and to, to go on and do other things in the government but, uh, or in the private sector. But, but my husband, I ended up meeting my husband uh, at work, and uh, in, in God's grace, we started attending a church that um, where we just grew so much, and all the things that I was wanting to do in a political career, in my political career, and seeing lives changed and seeing communities formed, um, I was seeing happening in this church, and, uh, you know, it, it eventually became the thing where we just realized we've got one life to live, and we've got limited amounts of energy to do it. And uh, we just can no longer resist the urge to put all of our energy into ministry through the local church. So we quit our jobs very unusually. We were both working in the Senate. We quit our jobs and we moved to seminary and then eventually on to the Middle East. Yeah. Wow. Okay. When you first, (laughs) when you first moved, talk about the culture shock. Um, What was, what was, what was different? What was it like? Um, that is a great question. Uh, we've lived here for almost eight years now, so let me think back to eight years ago because I think in some ways I'm still adjusting to the culture. But that okay. initially yeah. coming here, there's there's things about the living in the Middle East that are not altogether different from where I grew up in Mississippi. Um, people are very hospitable. Uh, people are very religious minded and and talk about God. I mean, here they're talking about Allah but in the sense that religion is a part of the culture and people are friendly and hospitable. There were a lot of things actually that, that maybe my surprise came in that they were, weren't all that different. But then obviously there were things that were majorly different. I live across the street from two mosques. So I hear the call to prayer five times every day. Wow. Um, women fully cover even right now. It's, it's summer here. It's over. I think the high today was 104 degrees. Women are covered from head to toe. Uh, women in, um, you know, wearing the long black dresses and men in Pandora's. Uh, you know, there were a lot of things that were very different from, from my experience growing up in Mississippi and even, even living in D.C. Um, yeah. Wow. So that's amazing. Uh, let's drill down into that a little deeper uh, further on here. But what about this? I want to go back in this call to ministry. When you and your husband graduated mm-hmm. from seminary, someone told you mm-hmm. about an Arab sheik who was willing to start a church in a, a Muslim country, an evangelical church. What was that all about? Yeah, this is a pretty remarkable story, honestly. That um, so, so years before we came here, there was a, a pastor that we had in Washington, D.C. 
whose name was John Fulmer, and he came out to pastor a church in Dubai, um, which is obviously a major city in the UAE. And so he had been here for several years when a church member of his who worked for, who was an attorney for the Sheikh in the northern part of the Emirates. So we live about an hour north of Dubai, just south of Iran, just east of Saudi Arabia. We're right there on the tip of the Strait of Hormuz. And the sheikh that ruled over this part of the land had a, had a Christian attorney who worked for him. And that man um, had the nerve and with the grace of God asked his boss, who was the sheikh, if he'd be willing to grant land for Christians to meet. And um, the, the sheikh's first response to his question of, do you, can you give land for evangelicals to meet was, um, what's an evangelical Christian? <laughs> and so after finding out what it was that we believed, he eventually agreed to, to give a plot of land. Understand that land can't be bought for this purpose. Um, land, it, this is not something that if we even had enough money to buy the land, we could then just build a church. It has to be done with the permission of a sheikh. And it's only been done on the entire Arabian Peninsula, I think seven or eight times. And a land given for an evangelical church. So you're talking about a size, maybe one third the size of the U.S. Only seven or eight evangelical churches in that whole uh, uh, building, uh-huh. church building. So there's uh-huh. a pretty, you know, it's, it's an opportunity that you don't easily pass up. <laughs> so um, the land was given, and then John Fulmer, who's our pastor, and the uh, when we were in Washington D.C., who had come out to pastor here in Dubai, called us. We happened to. Have just graduated from seminary, and he said, uh, I've got a proposal for you. <laughs> and I was holding in my arms an eight-week-old baby girl, and I had two older children at the time. And I, my initial response, unfortunately, was, no thanks. <laughs> you know, I looked it up on the map and said, I don't think this is for us. Um, but, but God moved in our hearts and, and eventually moved our family here as well. And I couldn't be more thankful. We love we love being here. Fabulous. Jenny Reeves Manley is with us, former chief of staff in the U.S. Senate. She now lives in the United Arab Emirates with her husband, Josh, and their five kids. Um, Jenny, I want to ask you about something you said early in our conversation that, you know, it's 104 degrees and Muslim women are walking out in the, you know, the full black garb covered head to toe. Talk about your practice. Um, since you've moved to the UAE, um, how do you dress? Uh, what do you look like when you exit the house and go out to do your shopping or to be interact with your community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we understand that we live here, uh, at the invitation of, of the government who's allowed us to be here. And so we're always very respectful of that, that fact. They don't have to allow us to be here. So we want to honor and respect our, our um, host culture. Um, and yet at the same time, we do want to live um, counterculturally in the, in the sense in any, any way that our allegiance to the Lord Jesus would look different than theirs would. And so we do things, I do things like dress very conservatively and modestly, but I don't dress like the Muslim women. Um, okay. And, and that's what, what would make sense for me here. I want to be respectful and, and honoring of them, but I don't in any way want to confuse them about what I believe. Right. And then what about 
your church, Jenny? I mean, um, are you free mm-hmm. to uh, invite seekers? Are you free to evangelize? What does it look like? As uh, do, do people show up um, unannounced, and you know, it's not traditional American, you know, worship. So all those things together, you know, socially, economically, uh, you kind of have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, yes. Uh, you know, you're doing you're doing ch- church in a in a culture where it's not not practiced widely here for sure. But in a lot of ways, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, because church is church no matter where you are. And so uh, we do things in our church service that you would recognize at any church service hopefully around the world and that um, my husband preaches the Word and we sing the Word and we pray to God. Uh, we fellowship with one another. The thing that maybe is different is that then from then a lot of a lot of churches maybe is that we're very diverse in terms of our uh, membership and our makeup. Um, I don't know how many different countries we have represented, maybe 30 different countries in, or so um, in our membership. Um, and so there's not one majority culture, um, but, but we're made up instead of a pretty diverse group of people who are, have come together only because we have a shared and common love for the Lord Jesus. You know, we're not gathered because of a shared um, affinity for anything other than the Lord and wanting to gather together corporately to to worship Him and uh, and honor Him. And that's unique here in one sense because uh, this this is a place that's still fairly um, segregated in terms of where people are from and what they do. And the church is, is one of the only places, maybe the only place, where you've got people from uh, all different walks of life and cultural backgrounds and country citizenship backgrounds. You've got CEOs of companies and hourly construction workers sitting side by side. And that is very unique here. It's not something we see often. And and we pray that that the unity we know around uh, Jesus and what he's done for us is, uh, is is a bright light in this place. Jenny Reeves Manley with us, former Chief of Staff in the U.S. Senate. Jenny's now speaking to us from the United Arab Emirates, where she lives with her husband, Josh, and her five kids. Um, they've planted a church there. Jenny, tell us about this uh, series of books that you've contributed to. It's called The Good Portion. Oh, yeah, I'd love to talk about this. So um, John Fulmer, who I was mentioning earlier, he's a pastor in Dubai. His wife, Carrie, who is a brilliant Bible teacher, is the editor of this series, and and I just could not love it more. It is a series of books. They're theologically written, doctrinal books, um, written and geared towards women, written all by women, and marketed for and written with women in mind to get women to um, read doctrine and through it know God and love Him and worship Him more. Um, and it's great. There's been four books that have come out so far, um, the Doctrine of God, the Doctrine of Scripture, the Doctrine of Salvation, and, and the Doctrine of Christ, which is the one that I wrote and just came out. Well, Jenny, congratulations on that. It's really exciting. Talk about how a series like this, what does it mean that it's geared toward women? Yeah, that's a great question. Because obviously, um, theology doesn't change, whether it's uh, a man reading it or a woman reading it. The, the definition of doctrine is that it's truth and it's unchanging. So this isn't uh, any type of different doctrine than that would be written by a man or read by a man. But what I have realized in my years of experience in ministry to women now from all around the world and all ages and 
shapes and sizes is that women are not reading doctrine. You know, we can debate Mm. about why that is. Uh, Is it that they're not encouraged to, or is it that they're too Mm -hmm. busy? And is it that books are marketed to women over specific problems because the publishers know how busy women are? I don't know. But I know that women are not reading enough theology. And so this whole series is aimed at, at equipping women theologically to uh, to be beefed up in this way in so many ways that, that we as women need to be. And so, um, yeah, I just couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, Jenny, it's been a total treat. I think John said, you. we've talked to people all over the world in the years that we've done the show, but I don't think a single person from the UAE, you are uh, guest number one. Plus, you're staying up late. It's super late. It's like it's a whole other day where you are, right? It is after midnight here. It's just true. But I got to tell you that with five kids in my house (laughs) and us being locked inside for the past three months, uh, I don't know that you could have had a quiet 15 minutes anytime other than after this. Yes. Thrilled that we yes, got to we have totally, a conversation As parents ourselves, we sympathize with that, That's Jenny. Funny. And we say yeah. power to you. Yeah, God bless you, Jenny. Power to you. That's, Jenny, thanks so much yeah. for being with us today. Thanks. It's great to talk to you both. God bless yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. Hopefully we can stay in touch and keep up with how things are at their church in the UAE. That's Jenny Reeves-Maley, former chief of staff in the U.S. Senate. We talked to her from the United Arab Emirates, where she lives with her husband and her five kids. Her new book, it's part of a series. It's called The Good Portion, The Doctrine of Christ for Every Woman. There's much more to come on the Tuesday edition of The Right Home. With thousands of locally owned Napa stores across the nation, chances are that wherever you call home, they do too. So whether you stop by your local Napa Auto Parts store, a Napa Auto Care Center, or visit Napa online, you can count on Napa know-how. I love golf, and I also stink at golf. I've tried it all. The lessons, the special swing contraptions, the neon brush tees, the funny hats, the putting all of my change in my left pocket. I like to say I just happen to have a high golf handicap. My friends would say I have a high talent disadvantage. Hey, it's Ryan. And luckily, while I might be fighting some disadvantages on the golf course, at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're lucky to be able to serve Word FM listeners with a unique advantage. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. And for you... That can mean shorter turnaround times and often a lower rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money on a new home, refinance, or cash-out refinance. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. No one can say with certainty what the fall semester of college will look like this year. However, at Grove City College, we are certain that an excellent Christ-centered education will continue. Listen, I've watched my daughter go to online classes since the day she came home with the semester interrupted, and it hasn't been ideal. But you know what? It's still been good. I mean, nothing about the last couple of months has been ideal, but to see the faculty at Grove City really rise to the occasion and really go the extra mile trying to connect with students and make assignments work. I mean, my daughter had a chemistry class. She was doing chemistry down in our kitchen, John, but it really worked. She learned exactly what she was supposed to do, and I really appreciated what they put into it. 
Amen. Listen, an excellent education is just the start. Discover your unique calling. Become a leader of purpose and principle in a Christ-set and learning and living environment. That's Grove City College. Online at gcc.edu, Grove City College. We love it. Moms sure do wear a lot of hats. And these days, she's wearing a few she hadn't expected, like homeschool teacher, mask maker, hand-washing enforcer, social distance shopper, toilet paper finder, parent checker inner, screen time negotiator, personal space administrator, and make sure everyone's happier, safer-er, and healthier-er. And to help you appreciate her, Trinity Jewelers is now open. Like hats, the best gifts are unexpected. At trinityjewelers.com. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Clear tonight, low 57, sunshine and some clouds on Wednesday. High tomorrow, 81. Wednesday night, partial clouds, low 62. More humid on Thursday with clouds and sun. Watch for a shower or thunderstorm, high 79. Friday, partial sun with a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon with a high 81. Saturday, high 87. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Well, it's Taco Tuesday here at the Hall House, and we are approaching Taco Tuesday with a slight bit of trepidation today. You hear the news yesterday, Kath, that uh, close to 43,000 pounds of ground beef that were shipped to stores across the United States are being recalled over concerns that the meat may have been contaminated with E. coli. That would put a whole other shade on your Taco Tuesday, wouldn't it? That would ruin it. Mm, yeah, Tuesday night, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take a little jaunt. That's terrible news. Like, we need some more of that. Right. You know, now we have an E. coli issue. Now, what's, does, it, does it talk about what portion of the country is affected? Is it a particular state, a particular grocery chain? Yeah, it, apparently the meat was processed at a plant in New Jersey, and they are one of the main suppliers, no surprise, for Walmart. Oh, okay. Now, here's the deal. Um, the, uh, they, they're saying the specific list of ground beef products being recalled, and then they go through the whole list. Everything they're mentioning, and so I'm off the hook here, is all grass-fed. Oh, all grass-fed. listen, that's what Mike and I buy only. Yep. Thomas, Thomas Farms, grass-fed, market-side butcher, organic grass-fed. Uh, that's the stuff that Mike Thomas and I Thomas Farms. So we're not buying the old grass-fed stuff. and uh, So you're safe. It's another reason it will tell you that grass-fed stuff will you know, sneak up on you. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I, right. I mean, there are some other things. So the E. coli thing is so sad. But, you know, it, it mostly impacts ground meat because it takes the outside. You know, it's the grinding process that moves right. the E. coli through the product. If you're eating a steak, you're not going to get E. coli because you're right. just going to cook it on the grill or under the broiler, whatever, and whatever's on the outside is going to be killed off. Right. That's the problem. So uh, we were talking about it last night at dinner, and uh, my boy did some quick, what he called quick rough math. He, he guesstimates that 190 cows were killed oh. and lost because of that 43,000 pounds of ground wow, meat. Wow, that is really, really so, tragic. Yeah, it sure Gosh. is. Yeah. Okay, anyway. now there's no news that that's impacted anyone in the western Pennsylvania area, John? Nope, no. Uh-uh. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. And apparently they caught it. They caught it so early on, right? So okay. there you go. 
I have to say, oh, anyway. I, I just had this th- the same beef last last week. This is the only I get Thomas Farms. Uh, oh, do you? Oh, know? So do I. Mm-hmm. I had you know? I, I made burgers last week. But well, you, well, you might want to check your packages, Mike. Yeah, but fortunately, I, I was okay. But right. yeah, mm. now I'm uh, now I'm leery. Yeah, you are. Oh. And you don't want to be around Mike when he's leery. No. Trust me. No, I leery. Mean, it just. Doesn't look good. It's very cranky, and mm-hmm. we don't need any of that here on the ride home. Because you can't decide whether it's the gluten thing or just the general, you know, <laughs> right. E. coli yeah. leery stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for those of us that don't, I mean, for those of us that don't, don't understand what, what we're talking about, is Mike's leery this okay. today yeah, or listen, that today? Listen, I mean, so so Mike and his wife are convinced that he has he's lacto or gluten, gluten intolerance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We just think but he's intolerant. There's been no actual <laughs> testing that's been done to verify this. This right. is how Mrs. New Mike knows that he's gluten intolerant. Are mm-hmm. you ready? When he eats gluten, he gets cranky. It's true. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So yeah. what she's done, she's withheld food uh, mm-hmm. as a means of controlling his behavior. Right. Which I think is fine. I mean, right. whatever we can do to control <laughs> Mike's behavior, I'm behind. Yeah, that's right. That's why he's so skinny. And yeah. Just have a slim gym, Mike. Everything will be okay. All right? Forget about it. Yeah, you, Slim Jim, there's so much stuff packed in there. There's no E. coli that no, can live, of course right? Not, no. Absolutely not. No way. Okay. All right. Coming up next, Sarah Pulliam Bailey, religion reporter from the Washington Post. She does such good work, and she's going to be with us in just a couple minutes. Stay close on today's Ride Home. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Ever have any problems? Oh, you do? Congratulations. Because, you see, a problem really is an opportunity in disguise. God wants you to see your problems as potentialities. Be sure to join us for more of Adrian Rogers' series, Turning Problems into Possibilities, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here, inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel, December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit sebgorka.com and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A dot com. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. 
It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. A partner you can trust in times of need. Featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Of course, everything. Jo- oh. <laughs> hey, I think I was supposed to come in, John. Okay, sorry. <laughs> One of the privileges John and I have as we uh, plan out uh, each day's show and talk to the different guests uh, that are all around the country is we get to meet people who are just doing really top shelf work in different parts of the country from where we live. And Sarah Pulliam Bailey is one of those people. We've read her writing for so long. She's been consistent and fair uh, in what she puts out. She's also a great person to follow on social media. And I don't say that lightly because I don't think there are all that many good people to follow on social media. But anyway, Sarah is one of them. So we're happy to have her today. Sarah Pulliam Bailey is a religion reporter covering how faith intersects with politics and culture. And she works at the Washington Post. Sarah, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure, Sarah. So in the piece that you wrote, Alcoholics Anonymous struggling to reach new members during the shutdown and expects a surge. So uh, it's no secret that every day around the world, there are tens of thousands of alcoholics meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, AA meetings. But now, mm-hmm. because of uh, what's happened with the social shutdown, a lot of those meetings either shut down totally or some of them survived on Zoom. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so uh, I was actually struck by this because my the church where we worship in hosts AA meetings. And while we weren't allowed to go to church, you know, all these churches are shut down. I thought, oh, no, what about these meetings, mm-hmm. that ta- these other social services that take place? Yep. In uh, in church buildings, there are a lot of them, but AA is one of the most you know popular ones across the country. Um, and so, when I talked to members, they were really, really concerned with people who might be interested or might be aware of AA, but don't know how to find the right Zoom, you know, password. Um, there are these meetings that are taking place around the clock. Every you know, almost every hour of of the day, you can find a meeting if if you know the right link and the right, right. password. But it kind of takes a couple steps to get there. Yeah. So. I mean, it's shocking that, you know, the meetings are gone, essentially. And when you think about the the fragility of someone who finally surrenders to their alcoholism and says, I need help, and then the meetings are closed, uh, a second best alternative would be a Zoom meeting. And as I said, as you 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 came in, I mean, it's a good thing, but it's not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. The the members that I talk to, when they talk about their first meeting, they talk about the hug that they got, the, the handshake they got, the... Um, you know, people will sometimes hold hands when they say um, a prayer at the end of the meeting. And so there is this uh, very tangible sense of, of community and you might get somebody's phone number and, and you might get asked out to coffee or something if you're, if you're new to the meeting. And just that kind of sense of community is really difficult to foster over online. And then the other thing we know is that um, alcoholics, uh, alcohol fails uh, to individuals online is just booming during this period. Um, you know, liquor stores are still open. 
they're deemed essential. So it's it's been a really um, you know challenging contrast. So we we well a lot of people believe that sort of when we emerge out of this period, whatever we call it, the stay at home period, that there will be a need, um, and getting people to those meetings will be important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it is kind of ironic, right? I mean, one of the ills of alcoholism is that um, as you spiral down deeper into your addiction, that you tend to isolate. You want to be alone. And so now mm-hmm. it's like a, if you're truly an alcoholic, it's an alcoholic's dream because you've got curbside pickup or at-home delivery. So you don't have to go out and mingle with anybody to get your alcohol. And, you're, you know, a lot of people are working from home or no job at all. That isolation can go on for months and months and months. And who knows what it's going to look like after the restrictions are lifted, there'll be a whole brand new uh, sort of hardcore generation of alcoholics. Yeah. I think what is, was interesting to me as well as, um, you know, these, you know, maybe um, a new generation of alcoholics, but the existing members, the members who have been in AA for several years, who have these existing networks, they talk about how AA has given them sort of a structure and a community and a stability in isolation that, you know, people without AA don't even have. Um, they they have phone numbers. They have people they can text when they're feeling lonely or they're feeling down or they, you know, have that urge to drink or whatever. They have that network in place that um, that I thought was really interesting. Like if, if the existing members said that, you know, the – as the transition went to online, they were able to rely on those support networks pretty well. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what's fascinating that, you know, as we said, hundreds and hundreds of meetings in, you know, major cities. So just before you came to air, uh, Sarah, I looked at the, the Pittsburgh AA meeting list and they're, they're oh. very organized and they, de- they delineate between Zoom meetings and now active meetings that are open that you can go back into the rooms again. So of the a couple oh, of hundred great. of active rooms that, um, that are still in AA here in the city of Pittsburgh, about 75 are open for sit down face to face and counters. Yeah, that's great. I, it, when I had checked in the Washington area about a week ago, they didn't have any openings. So it's good to hear. I know that, you know, as we reopen, each city is going to be different. Um, so, yeah. That's very good. I mean, one of the cool things about AA, and I think, you know, we've talked about this over the years, that AA was founded by two alcoholics uh, and essentially founded on deep Christian principles way back in the 1930s. Um, can you talk about that, Sarah, how you understand the, the nature of AA and how it works as, as far as connecting and as far as um, the idea of people sort of renewing their lives and confessing to start fresh? Yeah, there's a lot of um, similarities. Um, I, I will say now, currently, AA is, is totally removed from any explicit religious ties, even though they do tend to meet in religious buildings. Um, but this the foundation has, if you look at some of the original AA literature and the 12-step program, there are a lot of um, references to a deity or religious practice like prayer. Um, it includes kind of a confession asking um, him or God to remove our shortcomings. The final step talks about a, a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. So, so there's definitely sort of this historic context and the um, spiritual nature. And then one of the most um, sort of famous prayers attributed to theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, um, the serenity prayer is said at a lot of these meetings. Um, and so there is, 
you know, sort of the spiritual uh, sense that it included in a lot of these meetings. Mm-hmm. Sarah Pulliam Bailey is with us. Uh, Sarah is a religion reporter. She covers how faith intersects with politics and culture, and she works at the Washington Post. Uh, Sarah, I want to open up our focus a little bit and just ask you about how you're how you're doing covering religion in America these days. I mean these <laughs> these are dicey times. I mean, talk about how. I mean, how long have you been in your current post? Almost uh, five years. Or five years. It's been five okay. years. Yeah. All right. Talk about. Talk about changes you've seen or, you know, the evolution of thought or perspective that you've witnessed. Yeah, I think uh, when I first started, it was right around, I don't know if you remember Pope Francis getting um, elected and then um, he came to the U.S. And just it felt like um, just it was a very different time. What was newsworthy and what was crazy was was a different um, atmosphere. And then the next year, President Trump was elected and as you can imagine, like, it's just, it's been um, a busy news cycle ever since. Um, and then this year has just been incredible with coronavirus and then these last couple of weeks with the protests. Um, and it doesn't really seem like there's an end in sight for news. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a hunger for information um, and a desire for news. I, I do see a sense of um, you know, people talk about tribalism and, and people are sort of sorting themselves into, into categories. Um, there, it's hard to, you know, see a lot of like good listening happening, um, mm. on, for both, for all kinds of people, but, you know, both sides, we talk about the polarization, the increased polarization, and that does seem to be pretty intense right now. Yeah. Well, considering the, the meltdown of print media, I'm grateful that there's any coverage at all of religion and grateful especially for major dailies that still uh, employ religion reporters like yourself, Sarah. Yeah, I'm grateful. I, I The Washington Post has done a really great job of um, we've had three religion reporters um, covering the subject. Uh, we take it very seriously. So I am grateful to kind of have this position right now. Yeah. Now, this is a weird question. You're going to think, you know, like, boy, she really sandbagged me here. But how do here you comes. how do you assess the state of religion in America? I mean, I can't imagine anybody who's actually, yeah. you know, more qualified to answer the question than you. What do you see? I think there's a lot um, there's a lot of distrust in institutions in general. This doesn't just apply to religion, but um, and I think that has profound implications for all kinds of. Um, all kinds of social issues. And so um, there's a lot of distrust uh, for clergy. There's a lot of frustration uh, towards institutional religion. There is a heightened sense of like desire for spirituality for uh, like, I see a lot of desire in like meditation and things like that. That said, coronavirus (laughs) coronavirus has really, um, you know, upended a lot of things. So, you know, ask me again in six months or a year from now, and I don't, you know, I don't know what I'll say in that. I think churches and religious institutions have been pretty hit, but, you know, financially in a lot of ways and in other, in other aspects, it's just a really challenging time right now. But I've seen the uh, pastors are just reporting like a, a skyrocketing number of people who are interested in um, sort of basic questions about, you know, what are we here for? Are we, you know, what, who is, you know, is there a God, that kind of, like, there are people who are asking, who have been asking really basic questions 
Um, you know, was that just a thing that was happening in March, April, May? You know, are we have we moved on to other things? I don't know. Um, but I I do think that this year is just gonna we're gonna look back on 2020 as as sort of a, a shift in some way. Mm, that's interesting, Sarah. So just, see, go ahead, John. One more thing. I mean, you know, Kath and I are like you in many ways that we talk about, think about, uh, broadcast religion conversations. You write about it. What about your own personal faith life? I mean, how does that work? Um, you know, in many ways, our, our job is our faith and our faith is our job. And um, in some ways it, it helps in other ways it hinders. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, attend church and work in nursery and I'm a, uh, you know, volunteer when I can, that kind of thing. Um, I think when it applies to journalism, I think about the pursuit of truth and the pursuit of just, um, general um, knowledge as being worthy um, as, you know, as a Christian endeavor. Um, and so that's where I see sort of journalism tie into my Christian faith. That's interesting. Well, Sarah, we've appreciated your work for so long. We just we want you to know that for, you know, I'm sure there are people who are on you all the time with every, you know, possible nasty comment. But there are a lot of people like us who read your stuff every day and just hit the like button. And yeah. so we want you to know that we're out here. Thank you. I appreciate that. My right. great pleasure. Sarah Pullian Bailey, she's a reporter, uh, religion reporter for The Washington Post. Of course, you can find her online easily with The Washington Post and on Twitter. Take a break. Come back. Um, okay, so with the opening or the greening of uh, Western Pennsylvania, how about flea markets? I mean, I think they're the perfect opportunity to go outside and peruse and maybe buy some cool, fun things. This important message is for anyone experiencing financial hardship and owes back taxes to the IRS or has unfiled tax returns. Recent events have caused massive job layoffs and financially burdened millions. While tough times will go away, the IRS won't. At Community Tax, we're on top of evolving IRS collection policies that could make it easier to resolve tax problems and dramatically lower monthly payments. If you're facing a serious loss of income, you may qualify for IRS hardship programs that may lower your monthly payments or provide dramatic tax savings. For taxpayers who owe less than $250,000 and are in a payment arrangement with the IRS, new guidelines could lower your payments substantially. Community Tax has decades of experience helping taxpayers with IRS collections. So call our helpline today for your free consultation and learn what programs you qualify for. Call 800-500-5588. That's 800-500-5588. 800-500-5588. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. XL Home Care can provide a warm, family-like environment with an XL caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. Excel Home Care, a help-at-home company. It's an unwritten rule of motherhood to put family before yourself. While very noble, 
it can also be counterproductive. This is Dr. Corin Garchak, the female half of the husband and wife team at Tranquility Specific Chiropractic. As a mother of two, let me encourage you, mom, not to ignore those aches and pains you've been feeling. Your family needs you at your best. We're here to help you meet the challenge. Tranquility Specific Chiropractic, 412-833-1314. Hello, this is Terry Hanna, host of Christians with Secret Addictions. I'm not a pastor, theologian, therapist, or counselor. I'm a Christian with 26 years of healing from multiple addictions. If you or a loved one are lost in the wilderness of an addiction, we're here for you every Sunday evening at 6.45 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Why not join us on this spiritual journey to the promised land of healing? Talk to you Sunday. Well, one of the great joys, at least for me, is to go you know, to flea markets or yeah. to go to auction houses and sit there or wander around and look at things go by. I mean, just all manner of really beautiful, weird, unusual stuff. And I know that I'm not alone with that. Mm-hmm. Kath, you do this as well. Oh, but because it. of COVID, I mean, everything was shut down. The good news is they're opening back up again. Okay. So I would totally go because it's outside, yeah. right? Especially the big auction houses that we're talking about are outside. Um, if I was outside, I don't think based on research that we're going to be talking about actually at the top of the five o'clock hour on how we now understand COVID-19 has passed one person to another. I don't think I'd wear a mask um, if I was outside. However, if I was standing really close, like within six feet of somebody, I definitely would, even if I was outside. Okay. So you see something that you want and you start to communicate and then the negotiations get a little tighter and tighter. At that point, you put your mask on and go, listen, I'm serious. Now my mask is on. But then talk about something that disrupts your negotiating. The mask. Because you, you need like facial expressions when you're doing stuff like that. You can't. Yeah, but you could sort of like use the mask as a negotiating tactic because then you go, you know what? I'm done here. I'm taking my mask off and I'm going to walk away. And then they see the mask start to come off and they go, no, no, I don't want to lose this customer. So come on, put the mask back on. That might might be the mask technique. No, I don't don't really think that that's going to be a thing. I mean, I (laughs) can't work with me here. I know I'm trying so hard, John. I just, I hate the mask. Now, listen, as I say, I hate the mask. mask. You just reiterate, I'm wearing it. I will wear the mask. I always wear a mask and I will continue to wear a mask because it's the right thing to do. Yes. However, I think it's okay to say I still hate it. Yeah, it is okay to say, of course. The good news is, I mean, how about the people who have to wear the mask in their daily routines all day, every day? Listen, I think about that all the time. Listen, I was out at a garden store. I'm not sure if I talked about this on the air last week. No. It was that one of those two super hot days. It was like 90 Mm. degrees. (laughs) And I went to a garden store at like noon. Okay. Mm. So it was like as hot as blazes. Listen to me, John. Those poor people working at the gardening store are wearing masks. They're outside? They're outside. They're wearing masks. It was like the surface of the sun. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I mean, I was there for maybe 30 minutes. I thought I was going to die. Yeah, of course. End. So God bless them. I mean, all those people. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's go back. Oh, so so the flea markets, of which mm-hmm. there are plenty. I mean, the flea market that I've gone to over the years is uh, Hannistown, okay. which is in Westmoreland County. It's a big flea market. Now, they used to do one. Uh, I, I still call it the Meadows, but it's not the Meadows flea market anymore. That's a, that's a monthly flea market. It was A lot of them are. So what the heck? Let's get out there. Okay, you know, great. And, 
I like to sell and buy at the same time if I could. All, All right. right. But not the same item. No, not the same item. All right. Unless you can find someone who's a sucker behind you. <laughs> or who's wearing a mask. <laughs> All right, coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, how exactly do you catch COVID-19? There is a growing consensus. We'll talk about that next. It's the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. One hundred one point five WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in and at radio.com. President Trump has signed an executive order on policing. The order aimed at encouraging best practices and tracking officers with excessive use of force complaints. In the Rose Garden, the president stressed the need for higher standards. The order comes as Senate Republicans prepare to unveil their own package of policing proposals after Democrats did the same. Pacific Gas and Electric has confessed to killing 84 people in a devastating wildfire that wiped out the northern California town of Paradise in November of 2018, PG&E CEO Bill Johnson entered guilty pleas on behalf of the company. The admission was part of a plea deal. The judge in San Ramon, California, will formally sentence PG&E later this week. Stocks rose on Wall Street. The Dow gained 526 points today. The Nasdaq was up 169. The S&P 500 ahead 58. This is SRN News. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know better than anyone that the mattress industry is full of myths. Mattress companies spread misinformation to mislead customers about their features and prices. One of those myths is that two-sided mattresses are old-fashioned. Today's mattresses don't need to be flipped and rotated, they say. But today's one-sided mattresses just aren't as durable. That's why OMF still hand-builds two-sided mattresses, because it's what's best for our customers. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Whether looking for a restaurant for dinner reservations or shopping for a major purchase, online reviews are a big part of the research consumers consider before making a decision. Unfortunately, many mattress review sites are paid by mattress companies to recommend their products, which makes it hard to trust the reviews. At the Original Mattress Factory, we do things differently. We value transparency and honesty, and we don't pay for reviews or mislead our customers. Read reviews from our actual customers at OriginalMattress.com. I love golf, and I also stink at golf. I've tried it all. The lessons, the special swing contraptions, the neon brush tees, the funny hats, the putting all of my change in my left pocket. I like to say I just happen to have a high golf handicap. My friends would say I have a high talent disadvantage. Luckily, while I might be fighting some disadvantages on the golf course, at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're lucky to be able to serve listeners with a unique advantage. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. And for you, that can mean shorter turnaround times and often a lower rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money on a new home, refinance, or cash-out refinance. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household 
problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Clear tonight, low 57. Sunshine and some clouds on Wednesday. High tomorrow, 81. Wednesday night, partial clouds, low 62. More humid on Thursday with clouds and sun. Watch for a shower or thunderstorm, high 79. Friday, partial sun with a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon with a high 81. Saturday, high 87. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Wash your hands, social distance, stay healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Well... It seems like now that we're six months in, John. Six months? What do you mean six months? We're six months in to the coronavirus crisis. Six months? Really? I thought it was like three. No, I mean, three months for us in Western Pennsylvania, but worldwide, six months. Okay. All right. Hard to keep up. So the question is, um, are physicians, clinicians, researchers coming up with any more information about how we actually get COVID-19? Mm, that's a good question. And the answer actually is yes. According to the Wall Street Journal today, there's a piece by Daniela Hernandez, Sarah Toy, and Betsy McKay called Exactly How Do You Catch COVID-19? There is a growing consensus. So I thought oh, it'd be good. worthwhile um, just talking about it, John. A lot of this yeah. stuff isn't going to be a big surprise. Um, okay. It's stuff that we've heard before, but just seeing the fact that the scientific community is really coming to a lot of um, a consensus. Well, yeah, maybe even even more firmly held beliefs about what's happening um, so that we can just know how to best protect ourselves and our families. You ready? Yeah, please. Okay. So um, it's not common, first off, to contract the virus from a surface. Okay, good. Now that's different than what we heard at the beginning when yeah. we were all, you know, sanitizing everything. Wiping everything down. And every, yeah. Okay. So it's not common to do that. Um, and fleeting encounters with people outdoors is also very unlikely to spread the virus. Fleeting. Describe what would you right. Fleeting. So fleeting is. A mailman delivers. Here is right. your mail. Right. Or you're chatting with a neighbor outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, for five minutes and you're eight feet apart or something right, like that. Right, you're okay. unlikely to pass the virus or catch the virus in that circumstance. Instead, John, the major culprit is mm. close up person to person interactions for extended periods of time. I see. So that's why you and I are in separate rooms right now. Right. Exactly. And that's why we're about, I don't know, 18 miles away from each other because <laughs> you don't want what I have and I don't right. want what you have. Plus, when you talk, there's like spit everywhere. But this yeah, guys, it's disgusting. What the heck? It's really, it's unhygienic. Man. Anyway, crowded events, poorly ventilated areas, and places where people are talking loudly or singing loudly maximize the risk. That's church. That's basically the foundation of the article. 
Yeah, huh. that, that, that maximize. So I can give you uh, some particulars. Um, now, the whole idea is that these emerging findings are helping businesses, churches, whoever, to come up with better protocols for how they can instruct people to act. Two recent large studies, though, and this should give all of us a sense of satisfaction, have showed that the wide-scale lockdowns, the stay-home orders, the bans on large gatherings, all of that prevented millions of infections and deaths around the world. So kudos to everybody who sacrificed so much uh, to stay inside for the last three months because it absolutely has paid off, according to public health experts. Excellent. Um, Now they're looking toward finding ways to better protect nursing home residents and multi-generational families living in crowded conditions, which is the case, both of those, especially in New York City. Um, They are continuing to stress, John, physical distancing and masks and reducing the number of gatherings in enclosed spaces. So they're thinking we want to avoid a lockdown. We don't want to do that phase two. But if we're going to avoid that, then we're going to have to be really smart about staying outside as much as possible, using masks and using social distance. Okay. Okay, right. so there there are um, there are two instances that it talks about that perhaps people have already heard of, but I think they're worth bringing up again. Uh, the first was the restaurant in Guangzhou, China, and I'm sure I have butchered the name of that city, so forgive me. Where one infected diner who had not yet become ill actually transmitted the virus to five others sitting at adjacent tables in the restaurant. Okay, now that's interesting because he, you know, obviously all these people weren't sitting within six feet of him. Right? right? So they spent a lot of time figuring out exactly what the environment was and how that could have happened. But this is what they come up with. Ventilation in the restaurant was poor. That's the first thing. Exhaust fans were turned off. Okay. So that works against you. Um, but you have to remember, they said that air aerosolized virus from the patient's breathing or speaking does build up in an area over time. So if you're talking to somebody outside for five minutes, it's a completely different environment than if you're, you know, in an enclosed room for 15 minutes with somebody. Okay. It's a whole different thing, right? Um, Sufficient ventilation in the places people visit and work is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another factor, of course, prolonged exposure. Now, you may have heard the term super spreaders. So that's a case where someone becomes infected, and then gives it to a large number of people, like the choir practice that happened outside of Seattle. Do you remember that story? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that was back in March, March 10th, uh, a church choir practiced in Washington State outside of Seattle. 87% of the people that were in the room became infected. Mm, Because they're singing loud and long. 87%. Okay. Now, members of the choir changed places four times during the two and a half hour practice. They were tightly packed into a confined space because let's be honest, that's how you sing well together. Mostly were older and therefore they were vulnerable to illness. But 53 out of the 61 people in that room got sick and two of them died. Okay. That's really amazing. So they're talking about the fact that singing can be really dangerous. Also shouting anything where you are really putting out, like breathing in a lot of air and putting a lot, putting out a lot of air. Those are things Mm. that are really dangerous, not outside, but especially in, in enclosed spaces. Right. Yeah. Avoid protests and heavy, heavy metal concerts. Right. And heavy metal concerts (laughs) and conventional church services. Like we've been doing them. Mm. Okay. So, I know a lot of churches are opening though, right? Right. But I imagine if they're opening, they're not going to be singing. Let's hope not. 
Right. Singing does seem to be a real issue. Um, mm. Here's another thing, though, John, that as I'm walking through the Wall Street Journal article from today that was surprising to me is an estimated 10% of people with COVID-19 are responsible for 80% of transmissions. What? 10% of people with COVID responsible for 80 Now that's the part that as I, as I read through this article that I, that researchers and clinicians don't quite understand yet Mm -hmm. is why some people are become these super spreaders, right? And other people don't. There's a story about uh, a young woman. She's 37 years old who got COVID. Um, She had a stroke. She was hospitalized, but she had to leave the hospital as early as possible, earlier than her doctors wanted her to because she had an autistic son at home who needed her. She went home. She lives in a small apartment three bedrooms in New York city with five other family members and nobody else got it. That's weird. Nobody else got it. Now she said that she wore a mask. She said that there was a lot of hand washing and everybody really stayed as far away from her as possible. But the point is nobody else got it. Okay. So I've heard this before then. So what about people like, you know, who would say I'm asymptomatic because we've got a friend and uh, you know, he works in in the homeless population Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, I may have gotten this like in March, but I'm working with the homeless population and nobody that I know is sick. Right. Right. Well, of course, if that's the case, the best thing to do is to get tested and find out if you, if you have the antibodies. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's the best thing to do. Now, for those of us who have not had the virus, or think we haven't had the virus, the CDC is urging us to do several things that I think are really important to just say again. And that is as much as we hate it, and I hate it, I hate that mask, you know how much I hate it, but I'm going to wear it because it's the right thing to do. The CDC recently urged all of us to keep wearing masks and maintaining a distance from others, especially as states and stores and whatever reopen. Um, CDC guidelines for employers... This is also, I think, good for us to talk about whose workers are returning include these things, requiring masks, limiting the use of public transit, limiting the use of elevators. Okay, no, wait, let me, let me punch in here because my, my boy just came in from work and he's taking mass transit to and from work daily. Mm-hmm. I said, how was it? He said, well, in years past, he's worked the same summer job for the past couple of years. He said the bus was packed like you were standing right next to people. He said, there are three people on the bus. Wow. Three people. Okay. So nobody's out. Nobody's taking the bus. Right. Okay. Well, that's good, right? That's good for the people who are taking the bus, right? Yeah. Um, also, uh, for employers, prohibiting hugs, handshakes, and fist bumps. Also, replacing communal snacks, water coolers, and coffee pots with pre-packed single-serve items and erecting plastic partitions between desks that are closer than six feet apart. Wait, so no fist bumps? No fist bumps, John. I thought fist bumps you, were like the alternative to the sin? handshake. So we're doing the elbow no, thing. No, no, no. The elbow thing. Yeah. But no fist. No, no. We don't want, I don't the want your fist. The elbow thing. Fist. That's so unsatisfying, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, that's my elbow. Lastly, they yep. said, really, places don't have to spend an inordinate amount of money on cleaning surfaces. Okay. Uh, you can still clean services. It's not that that's a bad thing, no, you should but clean. it's not nearly the concern that we thought it was at the beginning. The most All important right. thing is staying as distant as possible and being outside as much as you can. Well, this just looks like it's not going to go away anytime soon. And, you know, we're done. You know, who knows? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and listen, I say all that to you as someone who is not a physician yes. in any way, shape or form. I'm not medically trained. I'm just reading the uh, consensus of people that was written up in today's Wall right. Street Journal. So 
if you get COVID from a surface, don't come back and point well, the finger I mean, at Kathy. What I would say don't is, be doing that. If you have a question about that, ask a physician. Mm-hmm. You can say, I heard it from Kathy on the air, but I don't even know if she's right. Ask a physician. How you can say it. That's always good advice. Okay, we come back. Right. Uh, Charles Camosi is going to be with us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about the elderly in America and the choices we make. Stick around for that conversation. It's the uh, 5 o'clock hour of the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. All of us lead busy lives, raising our children, keeping up with tasks at work, maintaining relationships with others. But as Christians, all of these activities should be shaped by one overarching priority the gospel. That's our subject all this week on Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. Truth for Life with Alistair Begg, tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners owners of South Coast Coast Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8.36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. I know you guys are thirsty. I wasn't yelling at y'all. Don't be looking at me like that. The recent killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Amada Arbery have left us all reeling. Just trying to spread a message, okay? And the violent riots that followed threaten a nation trying to recover. I know you guys out here doing your job. But in Pittsburgh, I'm not mad at you. one protester decided on a better way. Hey, that's the one that's... Let's do it to us. You understand? Came out here peaceful, and this is what I'm trying to show y'all. That's the sound of Alexander Cash giving a case of bottled water to officers at a peaceful protest in East Liberty. Proof that the softer you act, the louder you speak. Blessed are the peacemakers. Good job, guys. And positive. Way to go, Alexander. Stay positive, stay strong, and carry on. And know that at Word FM, we're listening. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is the central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, a film about Corrie Ten Boom and her family's heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II, and about her secret army of teenagers. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with the promo code MOVIE. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com, promo code MOVIE. I live by um, maybe a block or so away from a managed care facility. And, you know, early on in uh, in COVID, people were talking about, oh, you know, all the elderly is stuck in the managed care facilities. They're so isolated. And, 
you know, so we know people who live inside there. And so my wife was going, maybe we could, we could go by and, you know, walk past and, and, and wave at the windows of people that'd be, you know, and so, um, one day I was out walking the dog. And so I went down there and, uh, and I'm walking by, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere close to, you know, anybody. And I wave to the window <laughs> and, and a disembodied voice says, Hey, now get on home. So my altruistic sort of visit the elderly thing was sort of you know squashed pretty That's quickly. So sad, John. Nice, no, nice, it was good because nice you know what they made though. sense Came from a good place. Because here's me, you know, they, trying well, they to thought, be. They thought you were they were you know a poacher or something. No, they probably knew that you know here here's a guy who might be infected. So hey, now oh. get your get get out of here, go home. And you, and you were just trying to be friendly. I was. I was just trying. Mm. I don't know what I was trying the to best- do. Best intentions, John. Right. Dr. Charles Camosi is with us. Dr. Camosi is professor of Christian ethics at Fordham University in New York City. He's interested in building conversations and solidarity between groups which sometimes find it difficult to engage. His newest book is Resisting Throwaway Culture. Charles, welcome back. How are you? Hey, guys. Good to be with you again. Yeah, always good to hear from you, Charlie. Last time we talked to you was in the early days of the COVID crisis in New York City. And uh, you working where you are and living where you are, that was uh, of imminent importance to you. Can you talk about the evolution of things since then, Charlie? Well, uh, it's gotten much, much better, I have to say. We've made yeah. some good uh, We've made some good moves here, and we've hunkered down, and we're starting to see some really positive things in New York and New Jersey where I live. In fact, we're, we've now, my family and I have reached the, can we afford to rent an RV stage of our frustration? We're about yeah. to drive, drive west and take a little bit of trip to see my folks in Indiana. So um, so we're, we're, we're hopeful that things are moving in the right direction. Fabulous. Just as a side note, Charlie, Kath and I were talking about this yesterday, and there's a, there's a group, you may know this, right, that is kind of like Airbnb for RVs. Well, my wife did all the research. She probably knows all about that. Excellent. I just know I'm the one that has to drive it. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> okay, and that's, that's what we're concerned about because I think those things can topple easily. Yeah, they're dangerous. <laughs> all right, Charlie. Well, good news uh, that things are so much better. Now, of course, this is probably the time when we should start to look back and do some sober um, assessments on how we performed personally and those who are in uh, authority positions. So from your perspective, talk about New York. Talk about New Jersey. Well, these two states uh, did not perform well, and in particular did not perform well, and and this is true across the nation, but it's particularly true in in these two states. They did not perform well in protecting people in nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Um, New Jersey, where I live, was just completely off, just just off the charts awful. Throughout the whole country, about 40 to 50% of all COVID-19 deaths took place um, for people who were either died in nursing homes or infected in nursing homes and died at the hospital. I, I still can't even get my mind around that number. Like it's 40 to 50, it's at least 40%. Everyone agrees about that. I think it's probably closer to 50% since we don't really have good numbers. And, and now what I, what I think we have to do is call this a cultural moment and say, we have decided that these people weren't worth protecting. We sent COVID positive patients to nursing homes. We decided to put limited PPE and limited um, training and limited um, workers in critical care facilities and let nur- nursing homes kind of fend for themselves. And now we've seen the results. I, I mean, how many times have you heard? I've seen this. I've heard this so many times. It makes me so angry whenever I hear it. Someone say, you know, it's really you don't really need to worry. It's just really old people who are affected by this. 
It's a cultural moment for us to step up and say, what is this revealed about ourselves that we need to change? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the elderly in America somehow became um, the the sacrificial lamb for COVID-19. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, I mean, we, we made decisions about how we were going to, um, we, I mean, we were all worried about, you know, are we going to have enough ventilators? Are we going to have enough ICU beds? It turned out we did, but we rationed care anyway. We, we, we rationed our resources anyway. And we said, we're, we're going to leave nursing homes alone. We're going to focus on hospitals. And the result was a massive, massive infections and massive, massive amount of, of, of deaths. Mm-hmm. Charlie, when you spoke to us, I don't know, that was probably three months ago now, because I think John and I have been broadcasting from home nearly three months. And I remember talking to you when we were in studio. Um, You mentioned that you have a group of uh, friends who are residents in local hospitals in the New York City area and just how traumatized Mm -hmm. they were at being asked to do things that they weren't used to doing. They they were were doing procedures that they weren't trained in. They were using medical equipment that they hadn't received training on. It was just like kind of all hands on deck. Um, Looking back at that, can you talk about the kind of that triage mindset um, and perhaps, you know, in hindsight, if that could have been avoided or if it couldn't have been avoided and that that's a fine answer as well, um, just how people psychologically are recovering from that. Yeah, those are all really good questions. Um, I think we kind of lost our heads a little bit because of the frantic nature and not being prepared for what we had to do. I mean, you probably saw the, um, you know, the military uh, uh, medical ship Comfort come into yes. Harbor in New York. Yeah. And uh, they made a big deal about the convention center being repurposed. Hardly any of those beds were actually used. So even though there were those very real situations, and I think the more time goes on, the more reporting that gets done, the more books that are in, we're going to find out just how bad it was. We, we didn't use our resources well at all. Um, so if we had used those resources well, we could have, for instance, kept the COVID-19 positive patients in hospitals where they were being cared for and not sent them to nursing homes and put other patients in at the USS Comfort or in you know, various other places where there weren't um, problems with overrun beds. But even taking our focus off of, um, of uh, New York and New Jersey, it, it sounds like Pennsylvania had very similar problems with nursing homes and with mm-hmm. these kinds of decisions. Uh, Michigan uh, is still, Minnesota and Michigan are still putting COVID positive patients at nursing homes after all this. Really? At least New York, at least New York changed its policy. They said, well, this is dumb. We're not going to do that. Anymore. Wow. And, and Cuomo's taken a lot of, a lot of, and, and there's, there's been absolutely no problems. I mean, not, not anywhere, at least not anywhere near the problems New York had when it comes to beds in these other states. So right. it, I think it really does come down to, are we going to, are we going to have a cult? I think we need a cultural revolution. That's what I've been working on with various pro-life and social justice groups to say, what is behind this mentality where we think this is, these are, these are people who it's, don't worry about it. It's just older people who, who, mm-hmm. who uh, will die from this. I think we need to take dramatic steps just as we did during the civil rights movement, as we did when we formed the pro-life movement. I think we need a new movement here to say this population is deserves our closest attention. Yeah, Dr. Charles Camosi joins us. His latest work is called Resisting Throwaway Culture. So, Charlie, I mean, in many ways, we're not really done with wave one. And, of course, wave two is expected in the fall or winter. So is there, is there a possibility to fast track the conversation or at least beat the drum loudly so that this doesn't, the same debacle doesn't happen again, that people aren't warehoused in managed care facilities and left to die? 
Yeah, I think I think we're going to have to because the next big thing, even if there isn't a, a wave, which I expect there will be, there's going to be um, therapeutic drugs and hopefully a vaccine, but we're not going to be able to give it to everyone, at least not right away. So we're going to have to make decisions about who gets what when. And um, there was great news today. Apparently, an anti-inflammatory um, uh, steroid is is really going to has really done wonders in a in a in a clinical trial, and and we're going to start using that. Well, that one is widely available. It's a generic drug. There shouldn't be a problem there. But what if there's a vaccine? We only have you know a few hundred thousand doses to give. Who gets it? Are are we going to again say, well, you know? We should give it to this population. These people are old anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Or are we going to say, well, these are our elders. We ought to respect them. Um, I've been working with some um, people who know the legislation better than I do on something called the Elder Honor Act, where we're going to try to work to hmm. do a number of things to do better by our elders. What, whatever happened, this, <laughs> this is almost like a get off my lawn comment, I guess, but whatever happened to respect for the elderly? Is, is that even a thing anymore? Is that... I, I grew up with that, I guess. Um, I'm in my yeah. mid-40s. Um, it, I hope it's still a thing. And if it is, we, we need to put our money where our mouth is on it. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so to the Elder Act, what, what's the full the name of that again? Elder Honor Act. Elder Honor Act. Yeah, what's that look yeah, like, Yeah, it's in its very early stages. And what's so exciting about it for me is it's both um, pro-life and social justice folks are interested in this. So Senator, your own Senator Casey is um, uh, the ranking member on the Senate Elder Committee, I think that's the name of it. It's, it's, the, it's the one that deals with um, um, elder issues. And he's made a lot of interesting proposals. He hasn't called it this yet, but pro-life groups that I've spoken to, for reasons you might imagine, are very interested in this as well. Social justice and, and disability rights organizations are very interested in this as well. One of the big problems is um, if you don't have resources and your loved ones get old, you, you run out of options very quickly. Uh, nursing homes uh, get reimbursed very, very poorly by state Medicaid reimbursement rates. The, the staff is often paid terribly. The institutions themselves are often not in the best shape. There are exceptions to this, of course, but if, if, if it's just state-funded, it's often, or mostly state-funded, it's often not a good situation. So we need more money for that. Right. And and I think I don't know like we, we pro-lifers and traditional Christians we often talk a big game about family but mm-hmm. you know I wish more of us would be in situations where we welcome these um, these family members into our homes and we made space for them and maybe we ought to one of the things we're working on with the Elder Honor Act is to is to help um, push Medicaid to reimburse uh, families who um, and then support families who take care of their elders in their homes and. And I don't know, but tell me if you think this is a crazy idea. We're about to have a big infrastructure bill, I hope anyway. What about um, the infrastructure supporting our elderly? You know, what, could, we, could we have part of the in- infrastructure be a situation where we say, hey, you want to build an addition to bring grandma in the house? Here, we're going to pay it for you. We're going we're gonna to help you build the addition. You want to retrofit your house, take care of somebody um, who's, who's disabled, needs help up the stairs? our culture is going to say as part of our building our infrastructure for the elderly that will help you elderly will help you with that. These are things that seem to me anyway, common sense things that so many wide swaths of the population would support. But again, I I think it's something we need a movement for. It's something we need to build. I mean, that's a, that's a fabulous uh, insight. I mean, my wife is helping care for an elderly man right now and the family's there. And the conversation is, can we afford to, uh, 
keep home healthcare workers looking after their father, or can we afford to buy one of the motorized um, uh, lifts that go up the steps? It's it's either or. So, I mean, resources are slim and families are struggling to find the best thing to support and help their loved ones. And I, I have a feeling this, you know, I hate the right-left dichotomy, but the so-called left will be very supportive of something like this. Maybe it's time for the right to step up and say, like, yeah. how how badly do you really mean right. it? How much do you really mean it when you say you support families? You know, is this, it, uh, this is this this is is a time to step up and say, let's support. I, I mean, I, I think it's a cultural thing, too. I think we need to not send our kids far away and tell them that they should leave home and go do whatever they want. I think maybe we need to tell our kids more and more to say, let's be rooted and, 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 and build a, build a community together. But, but that's a cultural thing. A lot of people want to keep their uh, loved ones at, at home as they age, but just don't have the resources to do so. I'm into that. Yeah. Well, Charlie, please consider us as allies in this fight that you're in, especially for the Elder Honor Act. We'd love to know more about that as things develop. So thank Amen. you for your time this afternoon. My pleasure. Great to talk. Yeah, it's Dr. Charlie Camosi, professor of Christian ethics at Fordham University in New York City. He is terrific. If you're talking about someone who's pro-life through and through, that's your man. Take a break. Come back. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, what's happening in Boston. I mean, the the statue there with Abraham Lincoln and a slave is. It's an interesting conversation, right? It really is. uh, Heartbreaking as well and, and in many ways shocking. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Stick around. Got milk? We sure do. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse. And boy, do we have milk. That 130 cow herd of ours just keeps on producing. They don't give one hoot about a world health pandemic going on. Come on out to the Springhouse in Washington County, Pennsylvania, for farm-fresh milk that we pasteurize, homogenize, and bottle right here at the Springhouse when my brother Sam brings it over the hill from the milking barn. We share a lot about our homemade meals and baked goods, but cows are the heart and soul of our dairy farm and country store. To say thank you for your unwavering support during these uncertain times and to lend a helping hand to our customers we are offering all three kinds of white milk at a huge discount 2.95 a gallon as long as we can keep up our family is so blessed by so many folks stopping by and thanking us for being open and we are blessed to be open let us share a little bit of our farm with you 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com i did this weird thing as a kid I would fall asleep with my blanket completely over my head, with only my mouth and nose poking out the side. I guess I liked the protection that the blanket offered, while still being a fan of breathing. I think a lot of us are feeling that way today, juggling how to handle the protection that our homes give us, with the desire to get out and breathe a little bit. At our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we don't have the end answer on how to best handle our current world, but we are pretty good at mortgages. If you're thinking of getting out and making that new home purchase you've been dreaming about, Our company's direct lender advantage can often get you a lower rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Or, if you decide to hunker down at home a bit longer and want to use that time and some of your home equity to do some sweet home upgrades, our direct lender advantages may help with that too. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Hamilton was adopted from a rescue in 2008. He really likes to be around people. I get out my mat and I'm doing a downward dog and he's underneath. He's quite the pug about town. He gets invited to a lot of parties. He knows he's a pretty big deal. Look at this little face. I do not love him. 
Hamilton the Pug, Instagram star, and Shelter Pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need. Featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years. When it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns, visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Clear tonight, low 57, sunshine and some clouds on Wednesday. High tomorrow, 81. Wednesday night, partial clouds, low 62. More humid on Thursday with clouds and sun. Watch for a shower or thunderstorm, high 79. Friday, partial sun with a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon with a high 81. Saturday, high 87. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Thousands of Americans have signed a petition to remove a statue that shows President Abraham Lincoln standing over a slave in Boston's Park Square. The petition is calling for the removal of the Emancipation Memorial statue, which shows Lincoln towering above a freed, sta- a freed slave who is kneeling at his feet with shackles on his wrist. There's been uh, close to 9,000 signatures so far. It is supposed to, this is a quote, supposed to represent freedom, but instead represents us still beneath someone else, writes uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts native Tony Bullock. He writes in the petition that he started last Thursday. Uh, my quote, my problem is with the person in front of him. The person that's supposed to represent me and my people um, is um, unsettling. He's not clothed. He's in chains. It's just not a good representation for something that's supposed to represent equality and emancipation. I would ask myself, uh, if he's free, why is he still on his knees? No kid should ask to have to ask themselves that question anymore. Now, I've never seen this statue before until I saw this news article. Um, it's an amazing statue. And, uh, Kath, you said the statue was erected in the 1870s, right? Right, 1879. So... There's, of course, in any statue, the body language is is fascinating because there is a black man uh, and he's on one knee. I mean, here it is, you know, shades of 2020. He's on one knee and the president and he's not not fully clothed. Right. And the president um, looks as though he has his hand on a book, maybe. Maybe he's holding a hat. I can't. I think he's holding. I thought it was. Oh a no, book. it's a scroll. He's holding a scroll that's oh, so unfolded. That's the, then that's the Emancipation Proclamation. Proclamation, yeah. And then his hand, his left hand, is sort of over the man, as if I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's like come up, or there's you know there's a motion that I would I would call it an inclusive motion, or mm-hmm. you know one of care, right? I think that's fair to say that. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this statue before, and it, it, it is. It's in turns, in some ways, beautiful. It's also shocking. I could see if you were an African-American in the country that you might take a front to that. But again, with all statues, you have to look at the history behind it, especially when the statue was first produced. Right. 
1870. I mean, that's just a few years after freedom and, of course, the end of the Civil War, what was then probably considered a, a great and shining moment and a moment to sort of cement that time in American history is now in 2020 looking untoward. Right. Well, we've talked a lot about statues on the show, haven't we, over we the last have. couple of years? Um, and, you know, I am I'm have not historically been the person who's advocated for the removal of statues um, because I think that we need our history around us to tell us where we've been. And if we sanitize it, then we'll forget. Um, however, I, I have to say that I definitely see where people are coming from with this without statue. a doubt sure. i really do i mean it's beautifully done as far as the you know artistic merit of, of of it but you know the the slave who's been freed is in shackles that are broken he is down you said close to the ground um the impression overall is that abraham lincoln has granted him something he should be grateful for now here's the thing I get that. I mean, but the point is that they should not have been in the shackles in the first place. But they were. Right. So, and it was necessary to free them because they were held against their will. Right. So, so where we are in our current moment, as you said, makes this seem insulting. It, it right. makes it seem tone deaf. But you would never produce a statue like that today. No. But in 1870, like I said, people thought right. oh, it's a good and worthy thing. We love Abraham Lincoln right. and what he did. Okay, but here's the thing. Again, so we love Abraham Lincoln. What about the slaves? Like, we should be loving the slave. We should be loving the people of color in America as much as we love Abraham Lincoln. I mean, they're the ones, they're the ones who truly suffered. Abraham Lincoln, in my opinion, was a great president, but he wasn't a slave. But then do you eradicate all statues that show some, because look, look at the statue that used to sit outside Carnegie Library or Carnegie Museum. Right. We talked about Stephen Foster. We talked about that. There's Stephen Foster playing the banjo and there's a black man at his knee. Right. Now, the first time I saw that as a kid, I was like, whoa, you know, um, to say that that's going to... Was it a necessity that that was gone? Yeah, I guess it was. But I I think I would have preferred if it would have been put in context. Right. Right? Like this statue. Well, this statue should definitely be put in context. I'm not saying it needs to be melted down. I'm saying that that in 1879 was probably a northern, I mean, it's obviously in Boston, a northerner's perspective of the fact that the union prevailed. Okay, and it was a great thing that Lincoln freed the slaves. But we also now know that there is a greater perspective that Northerners, white people in America all need to have. And that is that the injustice that was done should be righted. Yes. It, ha- it has to be at least recognized before we can even get to the position of it being righted. But con- but this is a this to me. Are white people congratulating themselves on how great they were? That's exactly it. Yeah, that's well said. Because if you if you were an African American and you saw that man on his knees and you think, you say, really, that's my that's my father, that's my grandfather. Right. That's right. you know, it goes and, back and back and, you and say, back. Well, this, so these are people from Boston who are patting themselves on the back about how open minded they are. What was the race of the artist? Well, I don't know, but it was Thomas Ball, and um, I would imagine the he'd be a white man. Does not right? say anything about 
what color he was. Right. Well, look, so I, I mean, at the time you. in 1870, how few, can you imagine like how many African-American sculptures there were, sculptors right. there were in, in America? Probably Which none. again is, is the problem that we're, tra- we're talking about. Right. Right. I mean, I, I can't. Yeah. I mean, this is me. I know you're thinking, is that really Kathy Emmons talking? I, it is. And I, I, I think that the statue should go. Keep it in a museum so we can put it in context. Well, let's hope it goes down. Because, like, you know, lately people beheading Christopher Columbus and all that that crazy stuff, right? I mean, I get people are upset. You can't can't remove your history. You can't. I get that. But at the same time, you know, as John, you and I were talking about this earlier today, I'm from a Polish-American family. If there was, you know, some statue of Andrew Carnegie triumphing over the, you know, the Polish average person. Uh, who worked for him, you know, I, I wouldn't feel good when I walked past it. Right, right. So, All right, let's take a break. Uh, we are hoping to connect with Alliance Defending Freedom. There was, a, for a lot of people, a shocking uh, judgment from the Supreme Court yesterday. We hope to talk about that in a few minutes. So stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. Your station for leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Once Christ become just a way, not the way, moral relativism will follow. Dr. Michael Youssef. If the book of Judges is going to be teaching us anything, it was going to be teaching us that we must contend for every soul, that we must stand firm regardless of the cost, that we must lovingly but firmly hold on to our inheritance. Dig deeper into this on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands. Thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-555-2085. 555-2085. I love golf, and I also stink at golf. I've tried it all. The lessons, the special swing contraptions, the neon brush tees, the funny hats, the putting all of my change in my left pocket. I like to say I just happen to have a high golf handicap. My friends would say I have a high talent disadvantage. Luckily, while I might be fighting some disadvantages on the golf course, at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're lucky to be able to serve listeners with a unique advantage. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. And for you, that can mean shorter turnaround times and often a lower rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money on a new home, refinance, or cash out refinance. We 
are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to NMLS Consumer Access. Or corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Excel Home Care will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard right. You can actually get paid to provide care for those you love. To learn more, contact XL Home Care today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. XL Home Care, 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. XL Home Care, a help at home company. ruling on Monday, the Supreme Court determined the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which bars employment discrimination based on race, religion, national origin, and sex, also applies to many millions of gay and transgendered workers. The ruling would have seismic implications for religious freedom and would potentially set off years of lawsuits for religious organizations, says Russell Moore, the president of the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. No question it's going to make it harder to defend our religious freedom as far as an organization being able to hire people of like mind, said Franklin Graham, who leads Samaritan Purse. Here to talk to us about the ruling yesterday is Kate Anderson. Kate is a, a, a lawyer with Alliance Defending Freedom. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, Kate, thanks for being back. Um, Gerald Bostock um, was fired in 2013. He was a child advocate in Clayton County, Georgia, sued his former employer, and yesterday, as John said, the Supreme Court ruled in his favor. Tell us about the case. Yes, well, the case actually involved his case as well as another similar case, and then we represented a funeral home who had a longtime male funeral director who, after six years of following the sex-specific dress code, informed uh, the employer that this individual was going to start dressing and presenting as a woman while working with grieving families. After considering how this would impact uh, the clients they serve, the other employees, this particular employee, the owner concluded that he couldn't follow along with this plan. Um, and this became a test case with the others to the U.S. Supreme Court to try to change the law on sex discrimination to include in the definition of sex um, the idea of gender identity and sexual orientation. Uh, this is deeply concerning because it calls into the question the ability of everyone to rely on the law as it is written. Hmm. All right. So, of course, the uh, understanding up to this point before yesterday's ruling was that the word sex in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 had to do with whether you were male or female. Absolutely. And we interpret laws by looking at what the words meant at the time that those laws are passed that builds consistency into the law and adds that protection for people. So at the time in 1964, when this was passed, um, the concept of gender identity was barely even known. And certainly no one would have anticipated that the term sex would mean anything other than biology. Um, and yet that's what the court ruled yesterday, that sex now includes these other terms. And that is a seismic shift that's going to have implications for women, for employers, for religious liberty issues across our country. Right. So, Kate, as the um, verdict came down, uh, people were really flummoxed from a conservative perspective about uh, Justice Gorsuch. 
course, Justice Gorsuch was uh, appointed by President Trump as uh, his first election for the Supreme Court. Uh, in many ways, people feel betrayed by that. Can, can you talk about uh, what we might anticipate ahead, for, especially for evangelical organizations, as uh, you, you heard the quote that I read from Franklin Graham about who can and can't work for an organization, a religious organization? Well, you saw a dissenting opinion from Justice Alito that called out what the court did as legislating, which is absolutely true. The reason these issues go to Congress is so that Congress can consider how this is going to impact um, everyone when you make changes, how is this going to impact particularly religious organizations and churches, as well as the women who this law was designed to protect in terms of providing equal opportunity in athletics, in employment, and other things like that. Um, So I think for religious organizations and churches in particular, um, at the moment, this ruling is specific to Title VII, which is a federal employment law that has a religious exemption for churches. It still remains a question how that will be applied for Christian business owners who are not necessarily a church or religious organization, as well as um, we anticipate activists will try to use the logic or lack thereof in this ruling to try to um, read gender identity and sexual orientation into other laws around the country um, dealing with sex discrimination to try to um, bring this to a place where it will impact churches, religious organizations, and others uh, more specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I read Doc, uh, Samuel Lito's uh, dissent, and um, it made a lot of sense to me, just specifically on the grounds of really the court should not be legislating. I'm, I'm speaking now as Kathy Emmons, this is my own opinion. Uh, but Kate, the fear is, of course, the unintended consequences of a move like this. Can you talk about those? Yes, well, sex discrimination law at the federal level in Title VII, as as well as elsewhere, has really operated to provide equal opportunities for women, um, and particularly to make sure that women are not treated unfairly or differently than men um, in employment. That bridges over to Title IX, which deals with women's athletics and scholarship opportunities. Um, And so there's deep concern with the court's decision because it breaks up the idea that sex is tied to biology. And if sex is not tied to biology, that's where you get cases like we see in Connecticut, where two male athletes who identify as female have swept 15 state championship records from girls in track and field. Um, And you see incidents like we had in Anchorage, Alaska, where there was a women's shelter. um, And the women's shelter was told by the city of Anchorage that they had to allow a man who identified as a woman into the shelter where this person would sleep near feet from women who had been trafficked, raped, abused. Um, And so these are some of the issues that we see coming um, when these kinds of laws have been changed at a local level. So now we're seeing it uh, a change at a federal level. Federal level. Okay. And the well, ruling was so uh, so shocking, Kate. I mean, in many ways, it feels as though it's another sort of chink in the wall of even uh, talking about, let alone engaging in uh, cultural uh, the cultural wars that um, we as evangelical Christians, that ship has sailed. Well, it's certainly concerning to see the court misunderstand the, something as basic to us as the meaning of sex, that it's tied to biology, that people are created male and female. And um, what I hope I see come out of this is a greater dialogue in the public square about people of faith and about our views and why it's valuable and why um, even disagreement on issues like marriage should be respected and that people of faith 
um, that the court has historically considered people of goodwill who have good reasons for their beliefs about marriage and about sexuality, um, that we should be um, equal citizens in society and not punished for simply wanting to live according to our beliefs. All right. That's Kate Anderson, Alliance Defending Freedom. Freedom. Kate, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Take a break and come back. Uh, Kath and I have uh, really committed to reading Scripture daily on air. When we come back, we will do so. We'll be reading from uh, the book of James. Stay with us. Be back in just a few minutes. It's the ride home with John and Kath here on Word FM. This important message is for anyone experiencing financial hardship and owes back taxes to the IRS or has unfiled tax returns. Recent events have caused massive job layoffs and financially burdened millions. While tough times will go away, the IRS won't. At Community Tax, we're on top of evolving IRS collection policies that could make it easier to resolve tax problems and dramatically lower monthly payments. If you're facing a serious loss of income, you may qualify for IRS hardship programs that may lower your monthly payments or provide dramatic tax savings. For taxpayers who owe less than $250,000 and are in a payment arrangement with the IRS, new guidelines could lower your payments substantially. Community Tax has decades of experience helping taxpayers with IRS collections. So call our helpline today for your free consultation and learn what programs you qualify for. Call 800-600-3010. That's 800-600-3010. 800-600-3010. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsorustpittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsorustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsorustpittsburgh.com. Hi, I'm Debbie Childress, director of the Grayson County Alliance, a food pantry in rural Kentucky. Thanks to a local farmer, we recently received a $2,500 donation from America's Farmers Grow Communities, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. As a result, we expanded a classroom where we teach families about nutrition and personal finance. I encourage all farmers to enroll for a chance to direct a $2,500 donation to a local nonprofit. Visit growcommunities.com. I find that patients just want to be heard. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. That takes time to sit down and listen to what the patient has to say. Listen to their past experiences, because that's all important in how I then present treatment to them, formulate a treatment plan for them, and how we move forward with their treatment at our office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Harry Highway in Wexford at stockfamilydentistry.com. Without Thousands of locally owned Napa stores across the nation. Chances are that wherever you call home, they do too. So whether you stop by your local Napa Auto Parts store, a Napa Auto Care Center, or visit Napa online, you can count on Napa Know How. We were just talking before the 
the break about the Supreme Court ruling that's garnered so much uh, conversation over the last 24 hours, Bostock versus Clayton County, uh, about LGBTQ rights in uh, employment discrimination. And um, I don't have a whole lot to say about the case. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm the last person who's going to interpret it for you. But I do want to encourage anyone who's listening that the the um, publication that comes out from the Supreme Court is really much easier to read than you would expect. And so oftentimes we think, oh my gosh, that's legalese. That's just, you know, for lawyers to read. Listen, it's really, it's it's good reading. It'll help you to understand the issues that yeah. are before the court. And it really just lays out things in a way that you can go straight to the facts of the case and you're not going to be filtered through whatever, you know, opinion writer for MSNBC or CNN or Fox yeah. News. Like go and read it for yourself and figure out what you think. But Kath, as you read it, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm losing my mind because I think, wait a second, this just makes, it's good common sense. This is just how I see the world. And then I read that, you know, I read the opinion and I think, well, how can they not see that? Yeah, I know. I, I probably look at it just a little differently only because there's a religious exemption. Um, already. We can talk about the particulars of it, but maybe we can talk about it more tonight after you go home and read it. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.